1: Everything elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron Bentley. I'm joined by my good friend, Nate, aka Epitasis. What's up, Nate? Hello,
2: Aaron. Hello. Real EE pod heads out there in the podcasting universe. Um, nothing's up. I watched a roadhouse the other day, starring the great Terry Funk.
0: One of my favorite movies.
2: Oh, who said that? You Probably.
1: have not been introduced yet. <laughs> but you're talking about Roadhouse. I get ex- I get excited <laughs> about Roadhouse. Sorry, the Roadhouse
2: conversation is just for me and Aaron Bentley. Have you seen <laughs> Roadhouse? Yes, of course I've seen Roadhouse. I think that's the first time I've watched it in full. I really, really, the Roadhouse is pretty secondary to the plot.
1: Uh, yeah, that's fair. I just I love Swayze, and I will watch pretty much any Swayze movie. I don't know that I've seen very many Swayze movies in my time. Have you seen 1991's Point Break? No. Okay, literally one of my favorite movies of all time. I think one of the best movies of all time. It. Do you like movies about bank robberies?
2: <laughs> kind of a silly question. Yes, everyone likes <laughs> movies about bank robberies. Do
1: you like Keanu Reeves? Like Keanu Reeves. Do you like, uh, what's the director's name? The same director who did The Hurt Locker.
2: Catherine Bigelow. Um, You know, I don't know. She was kind of the baby face in the James Cameron relationship, but then she just went like full fash with the whole, uh, you know, U.S. military authorized propaganda films. Um, So it's it's a wash.
1: Yeah, but she's really good at action sequences and building – uh, tension in, in yeah. scenes. So she is showing it off. Even in nineteen ninety one, she was doing that. So it's it's very good.
2: Yeah, one of these days, you know, it's one of those films where I keep seeing it, like, oh, Point Breaks on demand, but then it's always the the new remake or whatever. And I'm like, that's not yeah. the one that I've been meaning to see for you know a decade or whatever.
1: Right. Well. It's good. Sorry, I turned Roadhouse into Point Break, but that's kind of I love. Yeah,
2: really. Uh, I was looking forward to talking about Roadhouse. Unfortunately, there's no one else I can talk about Roadhouse with, so let's just move on.
1: We did. Uh, we watched Roadhouse recently, or Sarah was watching it. I think I came in in the middle, but uh, you know, you get to see Terry Funk, and it's always a good time.
2: Yeah, Terry Funk just a great presence. It's immediately in that movie, just like gives it a real sense of uh, of weight. Him showing up in there, you're like, yeah, that guy fits this shitty bar. I totally get the whole vibe now.
1: Have you seen Dirty Dancing?
2: No, don't think I've seen Dirty Dancing. Wow, Nate. I did have an unusual experience. My roommate in New York was like <laughs> not very musical, he was like very tone deaf, but he would like extremely uh, straight ahead pop songs. Um, so he introduced me to let's hear it for the boys off the dirty dancing soundtrack and would play that a lot. And I was just like, what a strange song for somebody to really be into. <laughs> and then we went, we went out to the, a club one time and the DJ played, let's hear it for the boys and we just fucking lost our shit. Hell yeah. Naturally. Um, but yeah, that's my dirty dancing uh, experience.
1: Well, my strong suggestion is that you watch some more Swayze movies, including dirty dancing and 1991 point break. One of these days. All right. Well, I think that's it, so we'll get into this. Oh, no, we're also joined <laughs> by Mike Spears. What's up, Mike? He's flipping me off, folks. I can't believe it. I- <laughs> Film head Mike Spears was was kept out of that conversation. I mean, he really
2: he, he took direction a little too well there because he could have just <laughs> you know engaged and participated. We weren't Thank- actually going to stop him.
0: Thank you all very much for explaining the joke there, Nate. Where? You're welcome. Where it is? Yeah, no. Roadhouse is one of my favorite movies of all time. Jeff Healey's great in it. I managed to get my grad school student theater to have a big Roadhouse night, which I promptly flaked out of going to. <laughs>
1: very on brand that,
2: that's relatable yeah that yeah, is, yeah yeah
0: i i'm all right uh nate we haven't asked or checked in, in a while how are the uh how is succulents doing there boss
2: doing pretty good uh it's really just there's one problematic one it's the real tall boy and he's he's looking fresh and spry for about the top third of the plant and the lower two-thirds are, are looking pretty brown and in rough shape uh but i kind of repositioned him in the pot and made it so he's a little more vertical and not kind of falling all over the place so i'm hoping that'll give him a a second life here
0: okay i mean sometimes you've got just some tlc for your succulents so i appreciate you providing it the ample care it needs
2: yeah I'm, i'm doing what i can um you know these these little succulent planter pots i guess at some point after x number of months or year you're supposed to like repop them and get some new soil in there but that seems like uh you know that seems like that it, is just going to be the end for them i'm just gonna be like yeah that's fine
1: have you considered whether you watered them too much
2: uh, i'm pretty confident i've been very sparing with the water you know i'm sort of withholding that way that's how i assert power over people uh so the same applies to my succulents
1: can confirm so well this is the show It's called everything you read. This this was a big uh, middle finger to the guy who posted on YouTube. The show starts at whenever we actually start talking about wrestling and gives a timestamp. I I just like catching up with my friends. Yeah, of course. We only get to talk once or twice a week <laughs> once or twice a week what,
0: it, for like, like these eight minute periods before we talk start talking about wrestling
1: and then all day in group chats <laughs> so, <laughs> you know barely see each other okay follow us on Twitter at everything aew I'm at Aaron like the car Nate is at epitasis Mike is at Fujiheya find the spelling of those on the everything aew account subscribe rate and review apparently there's an algorithm and it helps if you do that go to patreon.com everything elite here's what we're going to talk about. On this show, we're going to play Elite or Delete. We're going to run down Dynamite from last night. We'll talk about the ratings. We're also going to discuss a little bit about the future Dynamite episodes being up in the air. I want to be clear that this is mostly going to be a coronavirus-free episode. We have not been paid by coronavirus this week to provide you content that is relevant. So we're going to only uh, mention it as much as we absolutely have to. So, but first, I got a new a new segment here for the show. Don't really have a name for it yet, but Mike's been calling it the hangman meter. So I think we're going to go with that for now and see if the that's the hang, we...
2: the hang meter. I'm I, trying I, to, uh, so you what's, know, the classic, let's work the it classic out right here. game hangman where you guess letters and then yeah. draw a hanging person. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if there's something there, like
1: problematic,
0: but you know, as, okay.
2: as hangman's acting more heel, we add more limbs. To the, mm, uh, the the dying person, and then if he's acting more babyface, we take them off. I don't know if there's anything in that department.
0: Nah, mm. I, I, <laughs> well. I think we just keep this uh, away from death in any form. <laughs> I'm just going
1: to throw that out there. Huh. That's fair. Well, I was thinking about a lot, a, a lot of
2: death on this show. There is a new death triangle.
1: Mm-hmm. That's so true. I I was just gonna go good old one to ten.
0: Okay. With zero being or one being an absolute babyface, 10 being scum of the earth heel. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. One is like Tim Horner in Smoky Mountain Wrestling.
2: Yeah. I'm saying let's get some, let's get some comps here for who the real, the real Um, people
1: are and the real. Well, neither of you ever, neither of you watch Tim Horner, I'm guessing. So, or the Von Erickson WCCW. That's a, that's probably a better
0: one than mine.
2: That's the babyface end. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. Nobody was cheering against Kerry when he went for the WCW title against Ric Flair.
1: WCW Sting, maybe.
0: Yeah, WCW Sting, perfect one. Face
1: paint Sting. I think Sting. I think is a good one, on this scale. Ten is going to be like, what's like the the worst heel you can possibly think of?
2: It's like Bubba Ray ECW.
1: That's good. Maybe like. uh, Well, well. I was I was going to say Triple H in the Booker T feud.
0: Yeah. Sure.
1: Yeah. That was pretty disgusting as a heel. Uh, I mean, you have the whole uh, Kane Undertaker thing where Kane was like, oh, yeah, I killed our parents or whatever. That's yeah. like, That's pretty bad. Triple H in the Kane <laughs> angle. <laughs> yeah, Triple H, Katie Vick. Yeah, you got all yeah. that.
0: In <laughs> a, a five, I'm trying to think who, who a perfect tweener would the be. The true tweener? Yeah, the, the truest tweener. Like... I don't know. Maybe like how they thought NWO was going to get over versus how over they were.
1: I mean, we've talked about it a lot on the show, but early WCW Lex Luger is right. Yeah, is a very good five. Um, or if you want to think about it this way, uh, Bernie Sanders is a one. Uh, Donald Trump is a 10 and Hillary Clinton is a five. Um, now she's like a seven. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: mean,
0: okay, maybe,
1: maybe, maybe like Obama's like a five. Okay, Obama's a
0: five. Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard's the five in this scenario.
1: That's uh, she's problematic.
0: Uh, really... Here's a perfect five The Rock and the Attitude Era versus Stone Cold Steve Austin.
1: Okay, okay. Well, anyway, you got an idea of what we're thinking here, but we got to start here because there's got to be a baseline, right? So, last week, forget everything you know about what happened this week on AW. Last week, where would you have rated Hangman Adam Page on the Hangman meter? One to ten.
2: So let's recap what he did. He came out for the save when, uh, you know, the elite, all his boys, all his former boys were getting beat up by the Inner Circle right after the Dustin Rhodes match. I'm sorry, the QT Marshall match. Came out, made the save, gave a big middle finger to Matt Jackson, uh, and then, you know, went on BTE berated Matt Jackson yelled at him said you know I'm you know now that I kicked your ass you can't stop me from leaving the elite uh fuck you by the way where's Nick oh I injured him okay well wow. so those were his actions on on the last week of programming
0: I'd say that's probably about a four I'd say it's about a four because he still made the save but he wasn't an absolute jerk to his former friends
2: I think that's about right I think uh yeah I'd put it at about a four
1: like consensus i'll go four i think that's a good baseline that's where we're starting before coming into this week so we should make graphics each week
0: about where hangman's meter is maybe do it like as like a beer going up and down you know like yeah. the levels of the beer if it's completely- oh, how
1: full the beer is that's good
0: yeah if it's a full beer you're hitting him a full beer and he's an absolute babyface legend
1: you know i like that i hey. like that idea okay so basically this week we get at the very beginning of the show he's saying he wouldn't team, you know, he needs a a mystery partner for the tag title main event on this show against Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. At the beginning, he's in an interview. He says, I wouldn't team with Matt Jackson. If he were the last person on earth, maybe your younger, more talented brother. So, you know, he's kind of being a little heelish there, but then Matt says to him, or says to Nick, please tell me you're not even considering teaming with that prick. So do we want to just do it from there or do we want to say after the whole show?
2: Well, those were that was the majority of his colored behavior, one way or the other, coded behavior, one way or the other, right? Like that colors him as a heel. His actions in the match, I don't think, were particularly shaded, neutral, one side or the other, right?
0: Just neutral, kind of.
1: I think that's fair. They've gotten away from the idea that he's going to do like weird things in the match where there's miscommunication or dissension, and basically, you know, he and Dustin Rhodes teamed up, and it was fine. And they had a pretty normal match. So the, the only, Matt Jackson was the only one who had like a little bit different of a of a coding leaving the show, I would say. So yeah, based on that, we, does Hangman Adam Page go up or down?
2: He goes up. He's more heelish this week. Is that he right? Writes, he was considerably more uh, explicit and straightforward, I think, in his uh, insulting of the Young Bucks. You yeah, know, on BT last week, he, he seemed to have a little regret or concern about Dick Jackson's condition on this one. He was like, hey, fucking decided to show up, huh? Um, and in context, Nick Jackson went on to be severely injured by way of an assault by the evil inner circle, which, you know, that may not have been hangman's intent at the time. But when the elites looking back on it, they're going to be like, damn, man. Hangman was a dick to Nick Jackson, and then Nick Jackson got fucking hospitalized. That makes him seem like all the more of a dick. So I would, you know, I'd put him past the 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 five-point threshold here. I think he's at least a six.
0: Yeah, I think he's pretty clearly a six this week. Building off what Nate said, you could also make the argument of he wasn't going to team with either of the Bucks, anyways, but losing Nick Jackson throughout the night meant that they lost – the uh, post match brawl with the inner circle. He definitely was shooting daggers at Matt Jackson when Matt Jackson made the save. He was not very appreciative of it, and I I, I don't think this is like a full like flip like deeper like seven or eight range. But I do feel like that this merits in the show. He was mostly heelish. I think he's a six.
1: I'm gonna disagree slightly because when he was being. More heelish in the interview section. Nick had not been injured yet, so you know. Well,
2: he, I mean, he he, he had known. been he had been injured by Adam Page the previous week.
1: Well, they, I mean, that happens. You know, <laughs> yeah. you're gonna have. And, that. and, and
2: then the page was a dick about it.
1: Yeah, but but you're really you're not giving him enough credit for the fact that all he wants is to leave this group, and they refuse to let him. That doesn't really.
2: Mean anything? Like it does. They can't force him to be in the group. Like they have. No, now <laughs> he, he, won't he didn't go. They didn't. They didn't force him to make the save. He came out and made the save. You I know, they didn't, guy. they didn't. They didn't force them to fucking hang out or anything. You know, they're not forcing him to wear elite T-shirts. Like they're apparently kind of them to go know, into
1: blood and guts.
2: Being in a stable is kind of like you know you kind of identify. Your self-identification is the most important aspect of being in a stable, I think. So, you know, I, that feels like an excuse to me. That feels like he's actually, what it actually feels like to me is a retcon. I think they're trying to retcon the fact that they wanted to have page out of the elite, you know, uh, two months prior. And now they're just like, Oh, well, let's actually do a story with that. That's what it actually feels like to me. But if we assume that that was the intent, it just feels like he's, he's using that as an excuse to cover up for his own, uh, petty complaints about how he feels inadequate in the group and uh, you know has has become uh, spiteful and pissy about
1: it all we know is that he doesn't want to be in the group and yet he's in the group those are the facts that we know
2: I mean he could he he, he could just say he's not in the group he's, he's booked what, for the match could, Nate! Okay well I, I can't account for the bookers but I mean now he's still booked for the match even though now he said he's not in the group again so is he is he in the group or is he not in the group?
1: I don't know, but he's going to have to go through uh, the match beyond in this group. I mean, he's got two cages, he's got five other guys trying to kill him, and all because he's at least in the Booker's minds aligned with the Elite.
2: Yeah, this is again his real his real beef is with you know the Bookers, but that uh, that muddies the waters too bit too much because of exactly. course we know that the Elite are the Bookers. Right? <laughs> this is this is again a fundamental issue with the promotion and the stories
1: in it. I'm I'm willing to go five, but I, I won't go any higher. So five, okay. six, that's, six.
2: I think that's the closest you've been to calling him a heel on this show, or calling his his actions heelish on this show.
1: I mean, he was a dick in the in the interview at the early part of the show, but if he's a babyface, it's like you can enjoy it. You can enjoy him being a dick. It's like when you are talking about the Rock. The Rock right. was a dick to everybody, but everybody loved him. Yeah, you know I mean,
2: who you know who is a dick but you can enjoy him as a baby face it was Matt jackson coming out making the save and giving hangman a big fuck you middle finger
0: yeah he was more healer he was more neutral more like this so he was the five and Hangman's
1: a six this is not the meter, boys
2: well i'm just saying we sort of have to i don't know what we have to consider hangman's uh uh alignment in comparison to the elite because that's who he's doing this program with right like we're assuming they're programmed together so his, you know, his his actions don't occur in a vacuum. They're a reflection of what the rest of the elites doing.
0: It's a reflection of the environment he's in as well. So, like being thrust into these matches where he's constantly getting beat down by the inner circle, like you're going to develop either a more harder edge, or at the very least, you're going to, want to protect your injured tag team partner. I mean, Kenny Omega is the one that went out there with and went for the first save with a broken fist. So, I mean, like there is other like variables in this formula.
2: Yeah, Kenny, Kenny White meat babyface. Mm-hmm. trying to stick up for all of his friends, trying to get along. Valley coming to the rescue with a cast on his arm.
0: Easy one or two on the scale.
2: Sure.
1: What's interesting to me is Paige does not come when Nick gets attacked by the inner circle. He mm-hmm. doesn't show up. But he does come out to make the save. So, or, you know, so there's something interesting there. I'm not quite sure what it is.
2: But, you mean last you mean last week he came out to make the save right
1: So I mean unless you say you're saying that it's that's in a in a line and so he's getting less and less willing to help and maybe that's true I guess we'll see where that goes but anyway that's the hangman meter for uh, week one of that excellent segment.
2: We're working on the branding <laughs>
1: yeah we'll work on it Let's go into one that we are used to that we've done a lot of. It's called Ely. Or delete, Nate, get us started with your Elite Pick of the Week.
2: Elite Pick of the Week. I'm going to go with the Death Triangle. Yeah, honestly, baby. Honestly, did not pay a whole bunch of attention to this match, but the, just the, the unit is extremely cool. The music is a, a surprise big boon to the act because, you know, haven't been uh, super high on a lot of the themes in this company, but this was like a great, weird chopped and screwed remix of, I guess, made made both their themes together, and it worked unusually well. Fits the vibe perfectly. And then cherry on top was the actual death triangle, the submission move that all three of these guys uh, put Joey Janelle and Private Party in at the end of the match. Uh, Complete with Pentagon going back for more ear-biting. Just love it. Love these guys having a more focused and you know, uh, 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 a concrete place on this card where Pac and the Lucha brothers, you know, have some real momentum here and are carving out their own little space that they run.
0: Yeah. And these three guys work really well together. Like the way that they kind of build off each other, you would think they've been teaming for a long time. Like obviously they have certain like wrestling touch points that they have in common, but They just have a great aesthetic. There's a lot of, that. they they really melded together a lot quicker than some of these units that take a while to get going. And yeah, shout out to Mikey Ruckus. That theme rolled. Like that was one of the surprisingly best things about it. And, you know, for an act like Private Party who really has had issues since their debut, this was one of the matches I found enjoying them more than Janela who's just kind of always sticking out there in a weird position, and this was perfectly fine, and then the actual death triangle was a cool as hell submission, so yeah, I know, this was my top pick of the night, and I I know that Nate decided to snipe it for me there, but this was like the highest point of the the show for me. You know,
2: if you put your name on the run sheet next to something, then I won't say it, but
1: I know, an but idea. An I, idea. I, I, so go, I put my name next to what I plan to delete
0: right now. <laughs> I, oh, oh, I'm not surprised that this is the thing that you just like, Aaron.
1: Yeah, No, you're, yours are obvious.
2: You stake yours out on Twitter like the day before. Yeah. When, I had this thought that uh, Joey Janela and MJF are kind of foils of each other because MJF is a guy whose like, whole personality is built on you know, imitating these classic WWF heels of, you know, your Roddy Pipers or whatever the case may be and I like formulated his personality as a human and Joey is like that just for like your your badass WWF faces like your Scott Halls or Razor Ramones or whatever and that like formulated who Joey Janela grows to be both of them feel like their actual personalities are formulated
1: around pro wrestling
2: archetypes anyway
1: does that mean Mike you are not going to make a delete or an elite pick you're just gonna you're gonna No, I Uh, um, that's fine. I don't have any problem with that. We are, we did an entire new segment at the open of the show. Well,
0: I was going to say, I really enjoyed the main event like this. This was a match that they've done before. And if anything, this like comparing it to the match they had in Boston last year, you could see the, the two people you see the growth and obviously are, are hangman and page and Sammy Guevara, but especially Sammy Guevara. Like if I'm matching called Leap person of the week, it's Sammy Guevara because he's been thrust into this role of being essentially the lost post for whenever there is a trios or a tag match for the inner circle, but he's so great at the role. He's really kind of grown to his own. And I think that like in this match and then over like last month, Sammy Guevara, if I was going to do my own independent rankings of just things I enjoy and things that I think are the best things going on in the promotion, Sammy Guevara would, if not be my favorite thing in the promotion, because that'd be Death Triangle, he'd be number two. So I give my elite to Sammy Guevara.
1: Yeah, Sammy's been great. I mean, what is there to say about it? He was great again in this match. He plays the character perfectly. He's learning perfectly from Jericho and the guys around him. And I've I've said it before, never was that high on Sammy. But now I feel confident he's going to be a star in this promotion. Right. I mean, he's someone that you like watch
0: and maybe beforehand you're like okay he's a good hand to have around but now i watch him and i'm like oh no this guy could be their main event heel in two or three years when like when like things are kind of motioning around and their homegrown stars are growing because he's been he's taken to this like a fish in water whatever like hack metaphor you want to use samuel Guevara is a tremendous heel and everything he's done over the last few months is just further cemented that in my mind
1: all right my elite pick of the week was the women's match I came and chat on the women's division the last like two weeks and they did something good. So I'm going to give it a shout out here. This match that was Chris Statlander and Sheeta versus Nyla B. Priestley was, first of all, a good kind of match to do with the women's division. You know, you get four of your workers on television. They're all four good. They brought back B Priestley, which I'm excited about. And they also gave it a good amount of time. It was laid out well. It showcased the strengths of all the wrestlers who were involved. And it got over with the crowd. The crowd loves Hikaru Shida, which clearly Shida is the next babyface, the real babyface challenger for the title. She's the one who's going to be built up. I don't know that she'll win, but she's the one who will be the big uh, challenge for Nyla to get over. So you got to make sure that the fans are invested in Shida. So I was happy with that. Uh, and it turned out to be good, so Elite.
2: yeah, really, uh, really enjoyed that match. Um, got over, as you said, Sheeta's super catching on, you know, seems to get good reactions just about everywhere they go. I really like, you know, the talk last week about the crowd, talk every week about the crowd. But when Nyla had Sheeta set up for the knee drop on the ropes and Nyla's climbing the ropes, like you can see individual crowd members, like going, no, no, and waving their hands and like, you know, basically selling for the move. Um, which just enhances really enhances my enjoyment of it. Um, yeah, so good program. Um, Reho, we'll talk about this. Riho was on dark. I don't really understand why Rio is being downcycled again. I know the Rio hive agrees with me. Um, so it feels like you established her. She was getting over and, uh, may I, maybe it's just a symptom of them only doing one woman's, uh, you know, a segment per show, but uh, you know, she's, you know, if you're not, a weekly AEW dark viewer or AEW late listener, then you're missing Riho in this promotion.
0: I think one of the reasons why I thought this match was great. This might've been my second favorite match on the show. It just is something that I, we talked about this on Patreon last week when we were talking about no people gate, that B Priestley is someone that at least in stardom, she doesn't necessarily work for me where she is, but she's perfect in this kind of role here. And AEW. I think also with like her gear changes, it works so much better in the bright, vibrant, like color explosions you see all over Dynamite each week to have someone who has like bright green gear out of nowhere. But this match was awesome. I like the chemistry that's been built up between Hakaroshida and Chris Statlander. I know that probably on the range of titles that they're probably going to make, a world women's tag title might be one of the more difficult of the suggestions that people say, but they're a fun team together and then yeah Hikaru Shida each time I have seen her live I've noticed that in AEW if the crowd isn't behind her immediately and there's not an immediate initial pop by in the match the crowd usually is going nuts for her I saw her do it too on a dark match in Charlotte and even more so in Salt Lake City she was the most over person in the match and definitely tells you that okay we see what uh, Nyla Rose's program is going to be going forward, but we know that they have something down in their pocket that with when you do Rose versus Sheeta, that could be a
1: really awesome feud. All right, let's move on to deleting some things. Nate, what was your uh, your pick for the worst thing you saw on TV this week?
2: So I delete or I deleted uh, the Death Triangle music. Have to delete this new edit of the MJF music. They put a tag on the top of it where he goes, I'm better than you, and you know it. It fucking stinks of Mike the Miz Mizanin. Fucking reeks of goofy WWE stingers, where you have to repeat all the catchphrases a zillion times. And, you know, if you don't literally have the person saying who they are as their music begins, and the crowd doesn't know who they are, um, they put that on top. They cut out the whole intro of the song and jumped ahead to halfway through the song. I hate it. it. You know, If you're not getting the desired reaction from the stingers that are organic to the song, then you need to write better songs. This, you know, MJF had this song in the indies anyway, but you know, this is fucking makes me think of the Miz, and I don't want to watch. I don't want to think about the Miz when I'm watching this promotion.
1: Yeah, do people not remember the fucking breaking glass? Like he didn't have to say, "Stone Cold said so," you know, before his music came on. It's like it's got to be something that grabs you and. I don't know. I, I always did think that little baseline was a little weird for MJF. Like, I'm not sure that it perfectly fit his character. Mm-hmm. But people it's, booed when it came
0: on. It's too funky for his character, I think. I it's too much of a babyface funky thing. Like, it, it it's something that just feels like it's not... I, I think the thing when you talk about the stingers, like the glass crash, or if you smell the rocks cooking, it immediately goes into a high tempo thing that works for or even for like the uh, gong for the undertaker especially in the ministry of darkness thing like it was was like a thematic thing that made sense having just that i'm better than you i know going to dirt <laughs> just does not work well so i totally get what nate's saying with this one
2: Yeah, it was, it was an unusual theme for his character in the first place, but you know, as you started to associate it with him, it did, I think work and it works as you get later into the song, but yeah, I just, I I need, you know, if you must do a stinger of some kind and you can't write a musical element that works for it, then, you know, a, a glass shattering, a gong is great. You know, I'm sure there's other ones. Um yeah you know i just hate the trope really
0: yeah and it's one of those things that i don't think that they've really done great stingers in this promotion really when you like you look at the whole au of music they have there like mox does have like the guitar kind of getting plugged into the amp and that is kind of recognizable but then you like look at cody's which is just like the almost uh ballstar galactica kind of choir thing into it, but it's not it's not necessarily one of the strongest things in the promotion. I think I would argue the best singer they have is the is like it is the uh the uh turntable scratching going to best friends because you know immediately who it is and it fits with the rest of the theme and this is another one that
1: doesn't. All right, Mike, your pick unless you just want to talk more about themes. We're going to have, have to have fucking Andrew T. Rich on yeah, the show. I gonna say, okay. it,
2: ben, Bentley is pushing you to give up your turn here today, Mike. I don't know if you noticed that. It's twice <laughs> I a row he's been like, we can just never. skip, Mike.
1: I, I mean, skipping.
2: You just did it again. You said, yeah. Mike, that sounds like, like you were your elite no, pick already, or your delete pick can be also what you just talked about.
1: No, no. Look, I'm really anxious about getting this ad read in at, at the right time. <laughs> okay. It's so a little behind the curtain there. I,
0: I, I'll be quick on this one. I think the uh, building up the mystery partner and just it being Dustin Rhodes was kind of lame. Like, I was just thinking, like, who would be, who would be? And then it was like, oh, wet fart. It was Dustin Rhodes. The match was still good, but just was not. Like, something built up as a mystery partner and it being, hey, it's the guy who's kind of associated with your unit that you're trying to get out of. thought that was kind of lame.
2: Yeah, it fit the story, but it was not, uh, you know, any great, uh, great pleasing reveal or anything.
1: And it's another example of something being pushed on Adam Page. He didn't ask for Dustin Rhodes. He didn't agree to tag with Dustin Rhodes. Dustin Rhodes just said, I'm your tag partner. And then he was. So I think it goes more toward Page's grievances. I really do. My delete pick of the week. It was... I think it's been going on for a while now, but it was especially noticeable on this episode. All the post matches are the same in this promotion. Yeah, they really like it. They love it. Every match ends with, who it doesn't matter who wins. Then there's a heel beat down, then the babyface comes out and saves, and then they decide, usually the babyface gets the upper hand, but sometimes, you know, like in the last one you get Hager kind of getting the upper hand. Right. So, it's when we go through these matches in the rundown, it's like every match has that post match.
0: And the only one that really didn't have that post-match was one by the Heels. The uh, MJF and the motherfucking Butcher, the motherfucking Blade, the motherfucking Bunny versus Jurassic Express. The Heels stole the win and they walk away. So yeah, you, you had this basically four times on the show. So it's definitely something that it loses some of its strength when you ha- do it so often.
2: Yeah, absolutely. This is something that I've uh, been complaining about really, I think, since the first episode that they... Take Just take every opportunity to do an angle. Like, oh, if we're doing an interview segment, there has to be an angle. Somebody has to come out. There has to be a confrontation. Like, that just makes it seem rote and makes it seem perfunctory. Like, sometimes you should have interview segments and post matches and matches without an angle just because it's supposed to be, you know, a, a fake sporting program.
1: It's funny. It's like they took all the criticism of doing angles in every interview section and they've stopped doing that. And now it's, well, they kind of did one on this show. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, but we'll just do them after every match instead. <laughs> so, uh, You know what else I hate? What else I want to delete? Wearing glasses every day. I don't, you guys don't get to see me on the video, but I've been wearing glasses a lot lately because my contacts ran out and I need to go to the eye doctor. But I don't like going to the eye doctor. It takes a long time to get into the eye doctor. Uh, in fact, seeing a doctor generally in this country can take about 29 days. In major cities. And if you need glasses, you want that quickly. But if you're dealing with a condition like erectile dysfunction, you want treatment ASAP. That's why our friends at Roman have spent years building a digital platform that can connect you with a doctor licensed in your state, all from the comfort of home. So Roman makes it convenient to get the treatment you need on your schedule. All you got to do is you grab your phone or computer, you complete a free online visit and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. So based on that information, if the doctor decides that the treatment is right for you, Roman's Pharmacy will ship your medication to you with free two-day shipping. You'll also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor anytime you have questions or want to adjust your treatment plan. And the great thing is with Roman, there are no commitments you can cancel anytime. So if you're struggling with ED, go to GetRoman.com V-O-W for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash V-O-W for a free online visit and free two-day shipping. Okay, it's kind of, it's a weird week with the ratings. And there was a lot going on last night. In the middle of AEW was when we found out the NBA was getting their season suspended. Jazz center Rudy Gobert, he came out and tested positive for coronavirus. And the video's gone around of him touching all the, all the recorders and stuff. So a lot was Trump did the uh, TV announcement, I think, or the the TV address during AEW. So a lot going on. We get the numbers out today. AEW down hard to 766,000 total viewers. That's down from 906 last week. Uh, from fifth to 25th in the demo, which was down from a 0.35 to a 0.26. NXT, because those the people who watch NXT don't give a shit about anything, went down only from 7.18 to 6.97, but they did drop to 42nd in the demo from 20th from a 0.23 to
0: a 0.21. Yeah, this, this is not a week where we can really uh, judge anything.
1: Punt. Woo! Okay, let's run down what happened on Dynamite this week. We're getting close to half a year of Dynamite. This is... Uh, episode 23. So pretty soon we'll have a decent little sample size to see kind of where this thing's going. So the show started with a video recapping all the Mox Inner Circle stuff from last week. I find it, I mean, it's good that they have these different threads, but at the same time, we're building to this Inner Circle Elite match, this big blow off of their feud. But it feels like the big story that's being focused on is Moxley versus the inner circle. And that's what they started the show with. So I kind of find that all confusing a little.
0: Yeah. And later in the show, there was the sit down interview of Jr. and Moxley were definitely, it was heavily hinted that he was going to be out for the inner circle during the blood and guts edition of dynamite. So it's, I like that you could, that there's the idea of the whole face side of the roster saying, all right, we all, we fucking hate this group we're going to try to take it out but it does kind of feel like that this the big match is supposed to be elite versus inner circle yes john moxley is your champion but unless there's something that's going to happen and maybe they do it that because of uh, because i know that nick jackson is nursing an injury i know that his wife is due any day i think i don't know if she had their third child but i know that there is he might be taking paternity time it does seem like that they're really interjecting John Moxley into this angle in some fashion. And I kind of suspect that maybe he gets added into the, this match and maybe get takes over for Nick Jackson during the, during next week's episode.
1: It's hmm. an interesting thought. I hadn't thought of that. This is the point in the, inter- in the show where the Adam page interview with Tony Schiavone happened that we were talking about when the bucks came out and he wouldn't talk about his mystery partner, but we've covered that. So the first match that we saw on the show, Cody defeated Ortiz with the figure four. The big thing in the middle of this match was that Jake Roberts walked out with Lance Archer making his AEW debut. They basically watched most of the match from the front row. At one point, Archer kind of fainted as if he were going to uh, jump over the the railing and get involved. But then he stepped back and ultimately they left before the match was over.
2: Yeah, I'll give them credit here because I complained earlier. They didn't just do the angle here. They didn't have the attack here. They showed a little restraint and were like, "We're just going to slow play this, introduce him, give Cody something to think about, and you know, we'll we'll pay that off down the line." So I'll give him props on that.
0: Yeah, and I like these two together. They definitely have a high desert vibe. Like you definitely could see the two of them hanging out with the guys from Queens of the Stone Age or Caius, and I I kind of like it. But I think that Nate's right in how they're kind of just lightly sprinkling him into or them into Cody's overall story. I think that's been pretty smartly done at least last night.
1: Also, I like this match quite a bit. I mean, it It was basically a Cody match and that it had all the kind of shit going on around the match to kind of hide some of the, the stuff in the ring. But it was fun. It makes me so happy. Actually, I meant for this to be my elite pick and I, I was excited about the women's match. But Ortiz, to me, is an elite part of this promotion and just the fact that Santana and Ortiz have gotten a chance to shine and not only as a tag team but on their own in singles matches and, and shown that they really can bring a lot to this promotion and I thought he did that here he looked great and they you can beat these guys every week and I feel like they never lose anything after the match Santana attacked Cody with the mad ball we get a name for their for their uh weapon here which I appreciate it not sure it's a great name but i kind of like it
2: i think they've used it for a while i think excalibur has said
1: it but i missed it but just just because i I know uh
2: you know uh uh okay nate is yelling at his car stereo right now
1: (laughs) well it's good for me because i always forget what's in it so i'm just glad there's a name and i could just say the name arn came in to try to protect cody but obviously arn is old as fuck And so Matt Jackson and Kenny Omega came out to run off Santana. We saw Jericho up on the Tron. He's with, (laughs) I wrote Sammy and Hager, and I wanted to read it as Sammy Hagar. Uh, So he's with Sammy and Jake Hager. And Jericho says, you might've gotten the upper hand tonight, but the inner circle is putting the entire roster on notice. At Blood and Guts, we're going to beat the hell out of you pumpkin-headed dipshits. So we got that. Should
2: I know that insult? Is that a...
1: I was very confused by it. But that is what he said. So then uh, we see at this point that they've beaten up Nick Jackson, as we were talking about. They've shut his head in a bay door backstage. Uh, Everybody runs back to check on him. This includes Dustin Rhodes. And then during the break in the picture-in-picture, we see him getting structured out. We come back from commercial, and JR is in full Owen Hart voice as we see Nick in the ambulance leaving the arena. There was a tweet after the show that Nick has been ruled out indefinitely. I thought this was a pretty effective, like, for these kind
0: of angles, like, I thought that the uh, the uh, Jake, H- Jake Hager attacking Destin Rhodes one was a little weak. This one felt a- definitely a lot more like, okay, you laid someone else, someone out to, lay- to write them off for a couple of weeks. And I felt like this was pretty effectively done, especially with, like, the idea of they're all not going to get in the ambulance. They all, like, go grab the car and, like, okay, we're going to the hospital. I thought that that was a pretty effective way of doing that.
2: If I'm going to contrast them, I thought the parking lot car attack angle had a benefited a lot from shooting it from the perspective of Sammy Guevara vlogging. It just felt more naturalistic in that way. This one felt a little more, uh, you know, static and artificial just because it was like, hey, here's a camera backstage and we're going to pull back and show you this, you know, uh, uh, concocted attack. So, you know, I, I think maybe having the, the Sammy Guevara vlog stuff again would have just made it seem a little more wild and a little more unpredictable.
0: That would have been funny also because of how now Sammy's gotten over him just being like the shitty influencer heel with like the signs and the vlogging constantly, like the idea that he's constantly there with his cell phone vlogging would have been the nice touch and callback.
1: Next up was the women's match. We talked about Nyla Rose and B Priestley defeated Chris Statlander and Hikaru Shida. Nyla pinned Shida with the Beast Bomb. So after this match, B actually attacked Nyla and then took the belt and held it up. So we might get a little interim challenge out of B here. That'd be good. Maybe that was set for blood and guts, although we'll, we'll talk about that later, what's going to happen with that. But surprising that Nyla gets the pin on Sheeta here, who I feel like well, she is the number one contender. And I feel like it's being built up for a challenge. But now you've seen her take Nyla's finish and lose to it.
2: Yeah. But I thought a good win for Nyla to establish her again as a strong champion. Um, and Sheeta, you know, Sheeta was doing like a valiant one on two comeback here while Stallander was like in the corner. And, you know, Sheeta almost did the, the one on two comeback from the top of Nyla's shoulders, which is kind of remarkable. So, you know, having that just, just cut off and her coming up a little bit short against this tag team, I don't really think hurts her. You know, she gave it her all. So, uh, yeah, again, we talked about earlier this this was good and I agree. I think B is a good like holdover champion for Nyla, where you know, we don't expect that she's gonna win the belt, but uh would be a, a good meaty
1: win for Nyla. We got a video recap of some of the recent parts of the SCU Dark Order feud, the point being to set up the video we were about to see, which was Chris Daniels doing a video in the style of the Dark Order recruitment videos. He says, you know, he's doing the same, like, voice as the the blonde-haired guy from the Dark Order videos does. He says, are you waiting for a higher power to reveal himself? He says, His message is, screw the Dark Order. They had momentum, but they lost it when SCU beat them. So they started creating videos. Basically, he's doing this thing of, like, they came up with this dumb shit about the Exalted One because we beat them. And they had to come up with some other way to regain their momentum. And so his suggestion is that there is, though, Exalted One. And he's going to prove it by challenging Stu Grayson and Evil Uno to a singles match, separate singles matches. And when he wins and no Exalted One shows up, he'll have proved it isn't real. Now, very strange, because they tell us at the end of the show that next week we're going to find out who the Exalted One is.
0: Well, we do also know that Tape for Dark was a match between Daniels and Stu Grayson. So it does vary much make you think that we will probably have daniels versus evil uno next wednesday and i said all along march march 18th i thought i called my shot on the show saying march 18th that it would be formerly known as luke harper aka Brody lee and the reveal is happening on march 18th guys
2: so this this goes hand in hand with the goofiness of just announcing the war games match on Twitter and just being like hey this is happening or announcing it on the pay-per-view rather and announcing the participants on Twitter like why does is, does the guy who prepares these graphics make these decisions and go hey dark Order, you've got to say who the exalted one is next week like what is the impetus for the reveal of the exalted one except that the act of the the voice of god decreed it you know, it just doesn't fit in the universe at all. It's just like, hey, we know we need want to advertise something to get viewers for next week. So we're gonna reveal a storyline element that's been heretofore unknown. Like you can do that on a
1: television show, but it's extremely goofy to do it in a wrestling program. Well, you can also just do the story they're doing and say, next week we're gonna find out whether there's an exalted one. It'll he'll either show up or he won't. Next week, because there's going to be this match. Blah blah blah.
0: And you could yeah. have it that Uno says it, you 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 say it, and you don't show. Like you like you
1: you, right. you show don't, don't
0: tell. Show don't tell. Yeah, like there's a way yeah. they could have done this without them just having like a image just saying the exalted one <laughs> debuts, and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> but
1: yeah, like, that, that sucked. Yeah, I, there was like I was the guy doing the defense and there was a real fun place this could have gone and it just did not go there it's it's really fallen off and uh, i mean i think they got spooked by how much people hated it at the beginning and they just abandoned what they were planning to do they've done this a couple times
0: though with this whole dark order thing though like it wasn't working initially then they just
1: but ride something out you know like if it if it fails it fails yeah but Let's see what happens. I I don't know. It's just a bummer.
0: And, and it's one of those things that did seem like it was going somewhere with, like, the uh, videos that they had up until there was the really lame one in the woods with the fire. And then that led up to also having that end of the show that was just bad. And now they're kind of reestablishing it somewhat. And now we're like, oh, so this is going to happen. And it's just hard to get enthusiastic about it, even though I think it will be formally known as Luke Harper appearing next week.
2: Yeah, I just want... I'm fine with the reveal being imminent. I just want there to be some sort of catalyzing impetus for it. Like they were hitting the beats where, oh, you know, S.C.U. thinks it's Chris Daniels, but Chris Daniels eliminates himself as a as a candidate for it. But like I, I don't know, there should be maybe a match. It's like, hey, if I beat you in a match, and you've got to reveal who the Dark Order is, I, you know, it's just not coming organically from the story. It just feels like a, you know, uh, they're hitting this. Point in their outline for where this story is going, and they just decided it has to happen now. It feels very arbitrary.
1: It's also it's backwards. If if Chris Daniels' whole deal is there's not even really an exalted one, you're making this up, and then there turns out to be one. That's not what the babyface should be doing in a in a feud. Like he's going to be wrong in the end. He's going to look well. Dumb. I
2: mean, he could, you know, maybe he positions it as, oh, I was, uh, you know, using reverse psychology on you to make us show, to make you show who the exalted one is. That would be yeah. a good justification. But that's, you know, they, ha- they have to give us some sort of hint of that to clue the audience in that, you know, the baby face is being smarter than the heels.
1: They haven't done that yet. But we'll see. Next up, the Butcher and the Blade and MJF defeated Jurassic Express. MJF. <laughs> submitted Marco stunt this
0: was fine i mean <laughs> like that this out of everything on this show the the one thing i cared about was the the theme music for mjf like the rest of it happened uh it is one of those things that uh the crowd was great and this match was what it was
2: i thought it was really good um you know don't really care about work great one way or the other but the uh, in watching this, what struck me was, oh wow, this little six-man tag team between really, you know, predominantly mid-card guys plus MJF is like very over. Feels like it has some importance to the crowd. Um, and Jungle Boy looked great, you know, with the hot tag and coming out like a hot, like a house of fire. So in that regard, it like succeeded in everything it needed to do.
1: All right, next up, we just had some breaking news, but I'm going to save it for. Later in the show. It won't be breaking by the time people hear this. So next up was the Darby, a Darby Allen video. He had a, I wrote Jericho mask, but I guess it was more like the part of that standee of Jericho and Sammy. And he had cut off Jericho's face, poked out the eyes, put it on his face as a mask. He has the skateboard with Sammy painted on it. He throws it onto his car and then he zips up the Sammy part of the standee in a body bag and then pulls it with his truck. That has R.I.P. Sammy
0: painted on the truck. I mean, the big news here is that if you've been tracking the uh, ascent of Darby Allen, you know that he's traded out the car for a truck now. He no longer has champ car or wasn't using the champ car here. He was using an old beater truck.
1: I think champ car was he threw the skateboard on, right?
0: Right. Yeah. Maybe.
1: That's why he's been doing like flips onto the car in his uh, cameos because he could buy a truck now. I guess. Good for him. I mean, he looked like he had like a he was shot it maybe, I guess, in
0: like the rural foothills somewhere. It was it was, a, it was a cool video. It's it's Darby. It's great.
1: Next, we had Tony Schiavone interviewing Britt Baker. She says basically her her bit here is that Utah is boring because you can't have caffeine or drink alcohol there. You know, just like Mormon Mormon jokes. And she says, but it's easy to find sugar here because everybody's fat and their teeth are bad. Then she moves on to that everybody looks alike, suggesting, of course, that there's perhaps some incest going on in the great state of Utah. And uh, then she's into her role model thing. She says, you can get the job promotion. You can be the janitor, the dental assistant. So she's here to be the role role model and lead by example. Tony points out that she's really not making any friends with this bit. And instead, she disagrees and thanks the fans for their warm ovations. She then goes back to repeat her lines because clearly Big Swole has not come out when she's supposed to. Uh, but by the time Tony can repeat his line, Big Swole comes out. She says to Britt that she watches the product and heard Brittany running her slick mouth, which I thought calling her Brittany was pretty funny. And then they do bits about each other's husbands who are both in another company. And then Britt hits Swole and runs away.
2: Yeah, I didn't, uh, you know, I'm obviously pro Britt Baker, thought this promo was considerably closer to just like the cheap, stereotypical Pete kind of heel promo um, than the, the the previous ones that got a lot of uh, a much bigger reaction, I thought. And I don't really, you know, Big Swole came out when uh, Nyla was cutting her promo as the champion, and that just sort of gotten got forgotten about because Nyla went on to wrestle Statlander. Big Swole comes out here again. I don't really understand why she didn't, you know, it wasn't clear that she's a baby face and she's sticking up for the fans because she's tired of Brit disrespecting them or something like that. There just wasn't motivation. It just felt like, well, you know, Brit's cutting a heel promo. Let's have a baby face come out and, uh, you know, they'll, they'll shoot some canned lines at each other. I just need more motivation or more to understand Big Swole's character than, you know, doing, laugh or pop lines at each other because one's the heel and one's the baby face.
0: Yeah. I think that's a fair way to put it. I did like the uh, calling Brit Brittany. I did feel like that, that is something that they could really lean into the character, make her be called Dr. Brittany Baker, DMD and just like fully go all into that. I think that'd be amusing, but yeah, I think Nate pretty much hit the big points of why I wasn't as enthused about this as previous Brit Baker promos.
1: Well, damn, I was hoping you two were going to talk about how good this was, and I was going to shit all over it, and it was going to be fun. But More, Mormon jokes, uh, I mean,
0: we know what's up with Utah, like making fun of Utah is just like ribbing on the square.
2: I do like Mormon jokes. They are generally pretty funny.
0: <laughs> I mean, they're not generally uh, like making the comment about caffeine or alcohol. But then you talk about the, the sugar and teeth when it's like a thing that like Mormons love sweets, like like that's been like a thing like that. That like whenever you watch like programming about LDS, there is mentioned about like oh they there's a big emphasis on like baked goods and things like that. Like you could have leaned into it and making it more relevant rather than just hitting on bullet points.
1: My biggest problem with this segment is we can't have a feud between two women about their husbands, especially since they're not in this fucking company. But it's also just. Oh, it's the dregs of booking women to like have them bickering at each other about their respective husbands. Point of, yeah. inf- point of information: Adam Cole and Britt Baker aren't married. Okay, but yeah, about that, that men, literally.
2: That stinks. I just, you know, it's, maybe Big Swole just loves walking out on the stage because she's not booked, and that's that's why she keeps doing this. Um, you know, <laughs> maybe that's like you're, you know, if you're playing like one of these uh, wrestling video games where you're allowed to do a run in on every match. You're allowed to go around backstage and in the career mode and talk to or attack whoever you want. Maybe that's what Big Spool is doing. And she's just like, you know, spamming the, uh, you know, uh, uh, invade angle button because she doesn't have a program. Otherwise that's all I can think about because you know, it's not clear. Otherwise what her issue with Brit is
1: next was the death triangle match. They defeated the private party and Joey Janela pack pin Janela with the black arrow, but this was, Immediately after, uh, he also took the Cerro Miedo. So just like (laughs) Janela, I kind of thought he was higher on the totem pole than Private Party in the promotion at this point, but it did not seem so here as he had to take everybody's finish and just get fucking laid out. Uh, After the match, this is not going to surprise you, but the death triangle attacked Private Party and Janela and the best friends came out to make the save. We saw Dusty Rhodes with Lexi Nair. Lexi tried out a new hairstyle. I noticed here. So congrats to Lexi on that. She says, I noticed you weren't dressed to wrestle earlier, but now your face is painted. What's up? This was a a great open to this interview, I thought. And Dustin says, people are attacking my family and I have to do something about it. So Adam Page, I'm your partner, whether you like it or not. Let's do some cowboy shit.
0: I mean, this was an okay segment, but I mean, so was like a wet fart of a reveal of the mystery partner like yeah
2: yeah i mean maybe you know in in that regard maybe it's better to get out ahead of it and be like we don't want the audience thinking there's going to be some giant debut in the reveal so let's get ahead of it in this reveal it's going to be dustin Rhodes before the fact so it might have been smart in that regard but uh you know we discussed the the quality of the mystery opponent earlier anyway
1: we didn't talk about this what did you all think of debuting lance archer the way that they did just having him walk out during a match
0: I loved it. I liked it. I think that's a cool thing. Like WCW having Lex Luger, like show up, Like, what's he doing here? Have Lane Sarcher saying, why is he with, uh, with Jake Roberts? And now you could have the, the promo saying why they got together. I feel like it's an effective way that they haven't really used to set people up in this promotion as a debut.
2: Yeah. I, I like slow playing it. Um, you know, the, I guess the alternative is come out and have them slam a bunch of guys and do flips, but you know, better to make people wait to want to see it, I think. It certainly worked to Wardlow's advantage.
1: I think the problem with the Lex Luger comparison is that he was a major television star and most of the people don't know who Lance Archer is. So I would have liked to have... I, you're right, Nate. I mean, there it is a good comparison to Wardlow in that nobody knew who the fuck he was and they waited it out and it worked perfectly. But I would have liked to see him be physical and show that he's uh, dominant, you know, and really get something for people to be excited about. At the same time, you run the risk of having the same angle that you've had 30 other times on the show. So I'm not really sure the best way to do it, but I just didn't love, I mean, it was just cold. You know, Jr did a good job of putting him over on TV for the TV audience. Definitely got a chant. Uh, Yeah.
2: We've got a chant in the audience.
1: I mean, a lot of people here are uh, great
0: Murderhawk fans or love the Rockin' Raven Flection. So, yeah. No, no idea get... what any of that means. Well, well, is this he's the, the
2: Murderhawk. Yeah, he lives the... in the Murderhawk mansion. I've
0: seen yeah. that. I, I don't know what it means, but I have seen that. Yeah, yeah. And he was in a tag team with Jimmy Rave in TNA.
1: That was the other reference I made. I refuse to know anything about Jimmy Rave or TNA.
2: Honestly, if I have a complaint about it, John Moxley took his belt in New Japan and he just is like, all right, well, I'm going to go work for Jake Roberts now. I mean, you know, they don't, um, they refer, they referenced stardom on this program, but Kenny Omega is the AAA champion. It just never comes up and he doesn't defend it in on dark or anything anymore. I don't, but that's always why, the why case. Why wouldn't you use this? that? Just be like, hey, this guy's the world champion of a major pro wrestling company worldwide
0: but they never, but that's like perfectly in habit of the mega championship to never be defended anywhere. Like it's that they're keeping the honor and prestige of the triple a mega championship there.
2: Yeah. I just, I think that, I think we should hold them to a higher standard than triple
1: a. We did get a Moxley interview next. He was sitting down in a pre-tape with Jim Ross. He, they, JR asked him how he is, you know, health wise. He says he's pissed off. That's all he's going to say about his injuries. Talks a little about Hager. He says the power bomb was a nice touch. Step in the batter's box, bitch. You know, you like that. But JR suggests that they're going to have a match at some point, which sounds very exciting. And Mox says his game plan for Newark is that his MO is blood and guts, so he wouldn't miss it. Uh, the Inner Circle failed at killing him. Now Inner Circle has to deal with the Elite Boys. And Mox is in the blind spot. So if you're as smart as you think you are, referring to the Inner Circle... That scares you. And then the interview ended very abruptly. <laughs> real
0: South Ohio energy out of him this episode. I liked it.
1: Uh,
2: yeah, I thought this was functional. It didn't have like the fire or any, you know, uh, real specific lines that are going to get you fired up like his first, you know, three or four promos in this company did. But, you know, it was functional.
0: It it's It's like an awkward promo to have, though. Like, as we were talking about earlier, like moxley was fine in this and he definitely was like hey i'm mad and just hit his key points but just like the fact that this promo happened where it did it what well, looked like it was at a uh, the uh, the foyer of a hotel like, it looked like he was like in like the waiting area of a hotel well, he was
1: banned from the arena mike
0: well i mean banned from the arena john moxley's hanging out at the <laughs> motel go down to like the batting cages if he talks about stepping to the batter's box have Jr. go out to Extreme Couture where he's like training. Like, there's ways you could have had this promo and not have it feel as like shoehorned in as it
1: did. Oh, I, I mean, honestly, I thought it sucked just because I expect more out of both of these people. If I'm gonna have a Mox promo, I expect much more fire. I expect to get much more fired up about what's going on, and I expect Jr. to do a better job of connecting the dots here of what the story is. I feel like I don't come out of this interview with any more information than I had going into it. I mean, except maybe that there's going to be a Mox Hager match, but I don't really care about that. So, and not only did those two kind of let me down, but like the AEW pre tapes, vignettes, all that stuff are all really good. And this, the editing on this seemed so weird. It's like they just had nothing to work with walking out of this interview. So, just thought it was functional, but out of these two, I expect more. Main event Hangman Page and Dustin Rose defeated Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Page pinned Sammy with the buckshot lariat. Well, let's talk about the match first. Uh, I guess Mike talked about it a little bit, but, you know, Adam Page is still maybe the most over guy in the company. At least he and Cody, I think, are right up there as far as the, I'm still going to say baby faces go. And they were even compelled to talk about it on commentary, that he, how over he was.
0: Yeah, I think we could say that Page maintained his push and maybe the ace meter that... Cody lost a lot of when everyone was going what the fuck's that tattoo. Maybe it's starting to recharge a little bit. And he's back to being the ace. So yeah, I think that was a, I think that was a fair point from the makeup commentary.
2: Yeah, I think we were outliers on the uh, the tattoo yes. dramatics, but that was, the L. It, was amu- it was amusing to do in the moment.
1: Yeah, let's take the L on that. Well, I mean, we recorded that at like midnight, you know. But uh, yeah, we were all three very wrong. The crowd still loves Cody. Uh, they're wild about him. So and that hasn't changed at all. After the match, folks, could I make you believe we had a heel beatdown? Kenny Omega came out to make the save. He got outnumbered. Takes a Judas effect. The poor guy's already got a broken wrist, and now he's taking the most dangerous move in pro wrestling. Cody comes out. Hager slams him. Then they drag Adam Page up the ramp. They're going to do the same powerbomb that they did to Moxley off the ramp down under the tables. But Matt Jackson comes out. To make the save and just destroys everybody, which was amazing. He and Paige kind of face off a little bit, but then Matt uh, flips him off. The camera misses it at the beginning, and they have to like quickly cut to another camera to make sure they get that spot. But then Jericho takes a takes a chair and hits Matt and Adam Page, and then we get the inner circle celebrating to close the show.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. I thought this is a good escalation of the whole hangman and elite feud or controversy or tension uh you know basically matt gives him a taste of his own medicine uh matt his, you know his worst crime is being like hey, hey man i still want you to be in my group because we're friends <laughs> and hangman is like you know blowing up about it uh so matt gives him a taste of his own medicine much like in that tag match the young bucks being dicks is what people love to see so um you know you get some some Enjoyment out of that, I guess. Uh, and then fucking killer chair shots here from Jericho Oof. sounded like hell.
0: Yeah. Uh the the one thing that I thought that was kind of interesting is they did make big note and the inner circle did sell that when Omega hit them with his hand his arm in the cast, they did sell sell a little bit more than like usual strikes. And I thought that was kind of interesting. So we could maybe have like a whole thing because how much they love doing like 1980s territory stuff about having a loaded cast for Cody, for Kenny Omega. Maybe that could be a thing in the cage.
1: It just feels to me that what we're building to here is another will he or won't he Adam page match where it's like, is he going to be able to get along with the, with the other guys like the way he and Omega and they told that story for several weeks. So I just wish they would go somewhere with this story. Just give me, give me something new. Well, this is the end point. This has to be the end point. Like, yeah, I it thought the Omega
0: thing was the end point. I mean, you're right there, but this has to be it.
1: But he and Omega will still be tag champs after that match. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> if you want more of us talking, especially about the Blood and Guts match, uh, you can check out patreon.com slash everything elite. We've got a show up this week. The original idea was just a review of Stardom's No People Gate from last weekend. But we ended up starting that show. They had just announced the full lineup of the Blood and Guts match. So we spent the first bit of it talking about that and our thoughts on how that had been built up. But you can go check that out on the Patreon. We have three tiers, $3, $5, $8. I would love for you to give us a shot. It's still early in the month, so you'll get a a lot of content off of that. Keep in mind, if you sign up today, you'll get charged today and then again on April 1. Uh, We also had AW Lite this week, which all of us are on. Every person on this show is also on AW Lite, where we preview Dynamite. And then Nate gets us kept up on all the vlogs that have been going on that are often very important to this promotion and getting uh, some of the color of what's going on. So basically every week we do a bonus show. An episode of light, and then sometimes something crazy comes out. Like last week, Mike put out a primer for Terrace House. So you just never know what you're going to get on the Everything Elite Patreon.
2: I'm through the first two parts. Okay, so I'm it's up, time to I'm go. Up to the the, the drop off point now.
1: All right, I and kinda that, need I want to rewatch. Yeah.
2: Killer, killer. I mean, there. It's a lot to rewatch. That's a. It's, is it? It's like it's like twenty four hours, right?
0: <laughs> is it a lot to rewatch though? I don't think it is.
2: It seems like a lot. <laughs> it's like you could play half a video a video game in that time
1: well i'm gonna oh, do something because i have very bad memories i'm gonna have to do something to
2: really it. a killer cliffhanger though
1: oh yeah
0: yeah i know i know what you're referring to yeah at the end and of
2: part two i'll have to think about it because i don't yeah. remember
0: big one I mean, you,
2: you haven't gotten to part part three is not out right
0: no part three is out right now
2: well, on netflix
1: part, part three is th- not on american netflix not out we, okay. yeah 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 and part three who we do have access to it nate if you yes. would like access
2: uh, do you mean torrenting it or can I just VPN to Netflix, Japanese Netflix?
1: Per, I don't know. Probably. Yes. Yes. To okay. both. Yes. But I don't know how subtitles work from that yes. perspective.
0: Yeah. Yes. You can make it
1: work. Okay. Fair enough. But yeah. we do have a folder of them already ready if you just want them. Oh, okay. Downloaded. Okay. Patreon.com slash everything elite. That's what I was saying. All right. Dark. Here's what they filmed for Dark. The Hybrid 2 versus Michael Nakazawa and Brandon Cutler. Penelope Ford versus Riho. I was complaining on light this week that they didn't do Penelope Ford versus Hikaru Shida. And now, you know, they're, somebody's listening. They're, they're doing what I say. This happened. This was probably booked, you know, since they flew in Riho before uh, Tony got to listen to light this week, but that's happening. Colt Cabana taking on Peter Avalon and Christopher Daniels taking on Stu Grayson. So we get the first of those two singles matches and we'll talk about that on AW light next week. Okay, here's next week's TV. We have just found out, so it was supposed to be in Rochester, New York. It's just been reported on, and by reported, I mean AW posted it on their Twitter, that they are moving the show on March 18th from Rochester, New York to Jacksonville, Florida. It will be televised live on TNT from Daly's Place and managed under a restricted attendance policy. So I guess some people... Uh, are going to be able to uh, be there. They'll have a little bit of a crowd. And then it looks like on 325, we don't know where it's going to be yet. It's not going to be in Newark, New Jersey at the Prudential Center. This is the blood and gut show, uh, but it's going to be somewhere else.
0: The people that need to make sure that's in the crowd for both these shows. I'm going to steal a joke from, from the show Oak Gan. We need to make sure that the Farrah brothers are in the crowd in Jacksonville. Like that's like their one requirement really to make sure the crowd is going is make sure we have, was it Eddie Farrah? And I forget the other Farrah's name, but the Farrah brothers, Farrah and Farrah. I don't know, but they've got
1: to be poured up too before the show <laughs> starts. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Here's what we also know about next week is that we're going to find out who the Exalted one is apparently. And we're going to get an Inner Circle versus Elite six-man tag and the winner of that match is going to get some unknown advantage in the blood and guts match. Presumably, they'll get to come in first after the initial.
2: I think one-on-one. that's the implied advantage is yes. they
1: get to come in first. They also told us the rules for blood and guts, which is going to be one on one for the first five minutes. Someone new is going to enter every two minutes, and then I love that they just outright say it. The match begins when everybody is in the ring, and then after everyone is in. Your your winner is the first to get an opponent to submit or surrender.
2: So it, it, when it's one on one, if one guy gets the other guy trapped in a, you know, uh, unescapable chokehold, can he not tap out or surrender? He just has to die. Yes. Okay.
0: They I mean, probably, they probably sign a hold harmless.
1: You know. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah, I mean, I don't. You can't submit. Okay. I guess. I mean, it's very dumb because that just tells us there's not going to be a...
2: And if the match hasn't Switching begun, like there's that. no disqualification. So what's stopping anybody from coming down? I just hate the the match. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Cody. It's a stupid match.
1: Oh, we should do... When's that? 325? Let's do... Um, Nate, you're not going to want to do this. Mike, okay. on the Patreon for next week, let's watch some other War Games matches. Oh, I'm down. Yeah. Let's All do it. Right. Hell yeah. All right. And we'll have, we'll come up with a guest. We'll have somebody else on that might like to talk about War Games matches. I'm not sure who that would be, but
2: if you, if, it, I would be interested if you just do the super fucking goofy indie ones that like MLW did.
0: Oh, we have to do the K to Death ones
1: with if CZW. You, if you look
2: on the, if you look on the wiki, there's some real grimy War Games matches. Those would be considerably better than the real ones.
1: All right. Well, we'll do something, but that's a little on air Patreon production meeting, but it just struck me that that would be fun. I only have one other note of news, and that is Luther has signed a contract with All Elite Wrestling.
2: The uh, The Japanese deathmatch legend?
1: (laughs) Yes, that Luther. The death dealer. Not Miami's famous Luther. You mean Uncle Luke? (laughs) Mister? The (laughs) uh, Ramble. Yeah. Not him, but the Japanese deathmatch legend who uh, Chris Jericho, I think Chris Jericho reported this news. (laughs) Yes, he did. Yes, he did. (laughs)
0: Fantastic, thanks, Chris.
2: <laughs> they should do that on AEW like WWE does. As first reported by Chris Jericho, on- <laughs>
1: by Chris Jericho on his Instagram. It is. It's nice that, like, I mean, Jericho is a shithead, right? Oh, but, irredeemably. Yeah,
2: he's, he's great. He's but fantastic. It's,
1: but it's cool to business. me. It's cool to me that he's like one of the biggest stars ever in the wrestling business, and he seemed, at least in this post, genuinely happy that this guy who's never really had much of a career. Was finally getting this contract with like a national TV company.
0: Are you saying very ill words about like FMW and IWa Japan right there, Ab? Like you're casting a wide net by saying he hasn't done much in his career. A lot of things happened in FMW and WAR.
1: Sure, I, I'm just saying. I mean, I'm, I'm a I'm a Tenru stan, so you know I, I respect WAR. I'm just saying that it's cool that a guy who's accomplished as much as Jericho has does doesn't kind of look down on everybody else and. Is just excited for this guy.
2: Did either of you guys listen to the talk is Jericho with Paul Walter Hauser? I
1: can't say I did. Great episode. Must listen.
2: Uh, just get a lot of, a lot of color. Paul Walter Hauser. What a worker. Just, uh, you know, tells the story, you know, not only, not only working Jericho in the Mormon moment, but telling the story of all the people he worked on his way to the top. <laughs> and uh, just very entertaining.
0: Maybe we can get Paul Walter Hauser. To review some war games matches with us on the Patreon.
2: Yeah, that's an open invite, Paul.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Any anytime we could talk about whatever he wants, I'd be down for it. But all but Walter yeah, ha-
1: all Walter Hauser, go on everything elite.
0: Yeah, just everyone tweet at him. Let's see if this happens.
1: Don't <laughs> everybody
2: tweet at him. That's no, 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 please no, don't. No, do, no do
0: tweet at them. Please do. I, no. I, I've seen the power of what V-dub. happened. I've tweeted things into existence this very week, so I can understand. Like we have that we have a power. We can make this happen.
2: Anybody that tweets at them will be blocked from my account. So, you know, I'm doing a lot of great retweets for uh, contests lately. So I've been missing out on that like, great content.
1: When when you, you talk th- about this, like this uh, change in your Twitter account. Yeah, yeah, we're pulling you in for this. What, what's going on here? Yeah, we're <laughs> a little trying, concerned to, trying about to win you. some prizes. Me, Nate, I just let me be real with you. <laughs> there, there's been some talks. Uh, the people who are in group chats with you have created a separate group chat only to discuss. If everything's okay with you and we just want to know if your new twitter account is a cry for help
2: um no it's a cry for great prizes and rewards
1: (laughs) okay so you're just going to be retweeting prize entries at this point
2: i think that's been made clear yeah
1: (laughs) okay okay but so
2: what else are you going to tweet nowadays that hasn't already been tweeted
1: but so far, you have only
0: tweeted for a skateboard is offered by Full Sail University, a Wyona Erp Funko Pop, a uh, something with Mixer. I guess they're going to send you a console of your
2: choice. I need to win an Xbox One.
0: Yeah, yeah. And a Daniel Defense DDM-4 PDW pistol with a Vortex Spark AR optic from Classic Firearm.
2: Yeah.
1: Are you okay, bud? I, th-
2: I think it's clear that I, I want to win some prizes.
1: Okay, okay. Wait, there's some news coming over the timeline. Okay, what's up? I'll just read the tweet. We've made the difficult decision to cancel currently scheduled Wienermobile events for the near future. The health and safety of our fans, the hot doggers, and the public is a top priority. The hot doggers.
2: Yeah, it's very still sad, going, huh? Still doing that Wienermobile. Oh,
0: Wienermobile. oh, it, oh the Oscar Mayer Wienermobile is a shoot, brother. Like it's 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 existed for this long and it's going to exist for so long, but we're just going to take a break right now.
1: Uh, everything AEW is our Twitter account. Nate is at Epitasis. So if you want to see some retweets, and you want to do your own retweets, so you yeah, can if win you if you
2: enter the gun giveaway by my Twitter link, that gives me more entries. So please do.
1: Yeah, so that'd be good. I would like to see Nate own a gun.
0: I I feel like that'd be a good Patreon content, us taking Nate out shooting.
1: <laughs> that would be good. Yeah, I don't go- know how we would make that into Patreon content. That'd be tough. Yeah, yeah, would. I don't.
0: Yeah, I mean. Uh, they're not going to allow us to have like a video, at a camera at the firing range, unless it's like a part of a bit. Like if we all go to know. Vegas they for actually, double or nothing.
2: There's another one of those that we discussed in the Patreon, the very common uh, uh, backdrops for dating profile swiping right. apps. The shooting range is a pretty common one where it's like, yeah, look at me shooting my gun. in it's Chicago. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, you get, you get three hours outside of any major metropolitan area and it's all basically the South
0: Yeah. or in the South.
1: Wasn't there wasn't there video of um who was the shithead the seal guy who got who got killed at the shooting? Chris range? Kyle. Chris Kyle. Chris wasn't Kyle. was not there some sort of video of that?
2: Of oh, him yeah. getting his head blown off? Yeah, there is. Yeah. Yeah. I guess.
0: Someone was like there was someone at the range who like saw it. Like, I mean, we we live in that day and age where everyone has a camera on their phone, so
1: yeah. yeah. So my point being, I think you could take some video <laughs> and a shooting
2: range. That's the only point. I was- your, your touch point reference. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Weird.
2: You're going to alienate Paul Walter hazard with that kind of talk.
1: Yeah, man. You Come think on. he's a Chris Kyle fan?
2: Uh, no. Well, maybe, but you know, he's an Eastwood fan, and Eastwood yeah. is obviously a Chris Kyle fan. On that interview, though, Jericho does say he auditioned for American Sniper. Oh uh, God. Clint, Clint Eastwood called him in by name to audition for him personally.
1: I'm sorry, but I will always be a Jesse Ventura fan, and Jesse Ventura and Chris Kyle were mortal enemies. So. Yeah, I yeah, no. no.
2: got got to side with Jesse in that uh, in that instance. Yes. Um, yeah, Clint Eastwood also don't care for his films. Invictus, worst movie I've ever seen.
1: Clint Eastwood, uh, basically all his films are bad in my opinion. Thank you.
0: Yeah, he since like Tombstone. I'm trying to think of like the a, a movie he's done in recent history better than Tombstone. I can't think of one. So.
2: Except uh, Richard Jewell is good, of course. So Richard Jewell is
1: great, especially big exception
2: for that. Yeah, George, yeah. yeah.
1: Featuring in front of the show, Paul Walter Hauser. A Million Dollar Baby is one of the biggest pieces of shit I've ever sat. There.
0: It's so bad. It's so bad. It's
2: no Roadhouse.
1: No, certainly no Roadhouse.
0: Yeah, yeah. It does not even have the guy playing. Roadhouse
2: definitely has better politics too.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot about gentrification and taking over like suburb suburban areas has. A lot about laptop g- guitars which are very important so i mean yeah
1: i also i was the only one but i fucking hated mystic river was that the sean
2: penn one yeah i was thinking about watching that because i was looking for like a you know i just watched silence of the lambs but you That's know netflix does these video previews where they just start playing the movie for you on the screen or whatever yeah. and it's like sean penn like screaming about his dead loved one it's like man this is a downer i don't this is not a good introduction to the film
1: <laughs> I mean, it's a sad movie. It's not meant to be like a... It's not Roadhouse, yeah, I'm, my I'm man. I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass on that. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what movie you meant, Mike, since I know you don't think that Clint Eastwood directed Tombstone. Oh, yeah. No, let's let's did figure he, it did out. Did he act in Tombstone? Unforgiven, maybe?
0: Unforgiven. That was it. There you okay. go. Got it in one. Yeah.
1: Okay. I thought probably. Guys, I'm really tired. Tombstone would really not fit the Eastwood uh, right. <laughs> um, auteur... Yeah universe did
0: did you know what was a fun movie in that that time that didn't get a lot of credit maverick
1: yeah maverick's great maverick's a great movie okay yeah i agree with that this episode of everything elite very strange for us
0: and considering how much y'all bullied me at the start we've been (laughs) very good
2: what's that so that was mostly aaron
1: yeah no i would never bully mike uh Twitter, I told you Nates. Follow me at Aaron Like the Car. Mike is at Fuji Heya. Make sure you're subscribed. Give us a rating. Give us a review. Go to the Patreon. And hey, I just put out a new podcast about Joshi. So if you like Japanese women's wrestling, I put out a new podcast called Jumping Bomb Audio with my friend Taylor Mainberg. Go check it out. New open the voice gate this week as well. Yeah. I heard it's good too. I'm sorry. I, I don't watch Dragon Gate, so I cannot understand the podcast. We talk about we talk about not necessarily Dragon Gate thing like we talk about
0: like Shingo Takagi and Ring of Honor. Like I know
1: Shingo Takagi and I've heard of Ring of Honor. Well,
0: there you go. But yeah, but no, seriously, go check out Aaron and Taylor's new podcast. As I said, I'm a Joshi idiot and they made it very interesting to me, a Joshi idiot, to continue listening. So gets my highest recommendation.
1: Thank you. All right. That's it. We will look, even if they don't have shows, we're gonna do podcasts. So we'll be back next week and and every week thereafter until the end of time which is hopefully soon okay see you guys next week